Welcome to The Big Ticket Life, where my guests are doing life and business on their terms. They break the rules, they crack the mold, they see opportunities. They've had struggles, lows and highs, yet they've always remained focused on the goal, a life and business led by themselves on their terms, their way, unapologetically, focused on their success, and most importantly, the success of those around them. We celebrate that success because we live the big ticket life. So I'm very proud to bring you this first guest. I'm so incredibly honored to bring you uh, our guest today. This is a man who leads truly with his heart and who leads from the back. He's humble, gracious, extremely driven, and leans into people like no one I've ever seen. And I mean that. Getting to know him has been amazing. Uh, this is somebody who uh, latches on to opportunity when he sees it like a dog on a bone soaked in gravy. Uh, this is a person who saw a business opportunity while overseas, flew 34 hours to get back stateside, have the lunch meeting, secure the deal, and then is back on the plane that night to fly back to business overseas all of that in the midst of a great recession. On that note, I give you Sammy Knight. Sammy, welcome to the show. Good morning, good morning, thank you. Thank, what an honor to be your first. Wow, that's just, a, that's just an honor, thank you. Yeah, it's great to, uh, great to have you uh, with us here on the show. So um, I kind of brought you in on that intro about this uh, business opportunity that you had uh, had got had landed or saw years ago. Uh, let's fill the watchers and listeners in on on the details there. So I purchased my first real estate office. It was a little small mom and pop office. Uh, a couple of years early and uh, earlier, and I went to uh, China to uh, work overseas with uh, some friends of mine in a couple of different businesses. So I lived over there for, I don't know, three and a half years, something like that. And um, I kept seeing this thing on TV. We didn't get a lot back then. We didn't get a lot of uh, English speaking shows. And I kept seeing on TV this bubble uh, that was going to burst here in the States. And like I said, I had a little real estate company and that was my plan agency. And that was my plan. Just kind of play, you know. And um, I called my dad and I said, what's, what's the, what are they saying about this bubble? And he told me, and uh, I said, you know, the one thing I've always been a big believer in is brands. And uh, I, my business I had was a little small mom and pop local brand. Didn't really have a lot of uh, expectations when I bought it, but really fell in love with the industry. And uh, so I flew back to meet a gentleman that I heard was wanting to sell his Remax office. And uh, he, he told me, I told him I'm going to be able to come in for the weekend. And he said, uh, you can either be here on Tuesday or somebody's going to buy it by Friday. Oh, wow. So I loaded up and off I went. My wife picked me up. I uh, went straight to the lunch and hopped back on plane that night and went back. And uh, then I merged the companies. That's kind of how we really got started in real estate. Yeah, yeah. So just to just to kind of catch those listening and watching up. So this was 
2007? Right in the middle of the recession. And, you know, that's what most people intelligent do. When they go full bore as an entrepreneur, they fly over and live in Shanghai, China. And then they get into real estate and to really compound it, the recession was driven by the real estate industry and the smart ones go out and they buy another real estate agency. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what everybody does? Well, it seems to be successful for yourself. <laughs> but, you know, I want, I, want, I want people listening and tuning in to like really, really dig in on the fact that it's 2007. The housing buzz, bubble is like pop, bursting, popping. It, it's kind of like flooding across the nation regionally as, as it was unfolding. Uh, I recall in the uh, summer of 08, we sold our first house and bought the house that I'm in here today, actually. And at, at one point, I was holding both mortgages for uh, for about uh, 30 days. And that was, that was a different time of life, for sure. But for you, th- th- what I want people to understand is what tenacity and when you believe in something, how you went and got it, um, even in the midst of a lot of things that most people would just take as you know, maybe the signs are saying not to do this. It's not a good time. But you talked about seeing that opportunity. Uh, you care to share any more about what you saw and the value of that opportunity at the time and the value of the brand? I know you're, I know you're a big believer in the brand of, of Remax. I think what I saw more than anything is, and I think about history, I've, I've been around for a long time. And, um, in, my, in my business career, we always have had ups and downs. And when there's a down, whatever that segment of the market brought that that element down, it always rose the next uh, run, you know? And so I thought, well, I'm in it. Let's engage in it deeper. Let's invest. Don't run from it. Don't hide. And, um, so, so I felt like when we turned this corner from the recession, we would get a great run. And so that was my reason for jumping in. You know, I was raised by a man, my dad, who had high school education, uh, worked all his life. and But he was the most positive thinker uh, of anybody I've ever been around. And... So uh, I've always been that way. So I always try to find what's that opportunity that's being presented to me today that'll help me tomorrow. And um, I've I've always been a guy, I say this this way, but it's kind of like in a boxing match. I'm always the guy instead of using my jab, I lead with my chin and say, hit me. You know, and uh, yeah, go up so, to that line and stick it out. And yeah, say, that's right. So, hit me, no rope or dope, just hit me. And um, it, it's it's worked for me uh, more times than not. Um, you know, they're not always perfect, and my approach is not always perfect. But I do think that if you're going to engage in anything, especially professionally, if if you're just going to sit back and let everybody hand it to you, then you're going to stay status quo and you're not going to grow. But if you're going to lean into it, like my chin, lean it in with my chin, then there's better opportunities. So open your eyes, 
and allow those opportunities to come to you. My, uh, I had a, a real good buddy years ago. He was a consultant for a company I was with. He, uh, he, he told me, I was in corporate America at the time, and he told me, he said, and I climbed the ladder and I was in great position and all. And uh, so we were talking about it, what's tomorrow look like and all that. And he said, let me tell you what tomorrow looks like. He said, in corporate America, there's two options. He said, one, especially on the growth curve, he said, one, they have a mold for you. It's called corporate America mold. And he said, you can step in that and become a part of that mold or get out. And I wasn't a, I, I mean, I, I tried anything. I was growing and just kept taking chances and they worked. I had incredible people that worked with me. Unbelievable associates. I can't, I can't describe how fortunate I am to have the people that I've had in my corner. And um, so I felt like that um, I better get out of it eventually because I, I just didn't think I fit the mold. And uh, ever since he told me that, I, I always try to take on obstacles, swimming upstream and swimming fast, you know. And uh, I guess that's that's probably what drove me to do what I did in the real estate. It's driven me to do what I've, I've done all my life. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there's really there's really kind of a backstory on the real estate. There's a backstory to the backstory, and it involves someone not showing up ready to do the work, right? Yeah. When you were looking to put a deal together, care to share share that story? You talking about when um, when I got into real estate? Yeah, yeah. I, I had a well. I don't want to say it didn't show up. Uh, it's probably a better way to say it is I I had a lady that was helping me with a real estate opportunity, and uh, she brought a client to uh, help me with this piece of property I was selling, and. Um, she came to the event, she came to the showing with a pair of pumps on a skirt and a blouse and I was showing, we were showing land. And so I asked her, I said, where's your rubber boots? We got to get out here and show this land to these people. <laughs> and uh, she said, well, I don't have any rubber boots. And I said, well, you want me to go get some? And I said, my house is right down the road. And I'm sure you've got some coveralls or something you can put on, you know. She said, no, uh, I'm not going to show that land you are. And I clearly, uh, I, I, I don't want to say I said, I think I announced to her client that um, I said, I'm going to show you this land, but your real estate agent, who happened to be my real estate agent too, is terrible. <laughs> She's not prepared. Yep. And so I showed the lady the land and then we came back to the, uh, to the car and uh as I walked up, the lady liked the land. She and her boyfriend did. I walked up to my agent and I said, hey, I think they're going to give you an offer. And I turned to the lady. I said, make sure you give her the offer because I want her to get the commission. And I said, but at the end of the day, uh, Joyce, you're terrible at this and you need to sell it to me. And I was really kidding. More careful what you ask because about two weeks later, she brought me an offer. And uh, <laughs> in a proposal to buy our company, um, and, and when I—that's a funny story too. When I agreed to buy the company, 
I sat down. I didn't know anything about real estate. And remember, I leave with my chin. And so I'm signing the agreement. And I've got the check. She said, well, okay, now, who's going to be your broker? And I said, well, I will. And she said, you have a license? No. She said, well, do you understand the process of being a broker? I said, yeah, I just go down here to the courthouse and apply, and they'll give me a license. And she said, no. And she explained it to me. I said, well, you do it. She said, no, that's why I'm selling it. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, man, I just bought a company, and I, I'm not going to be able to run it. <laughs> so a guy was walking down the hall, and thank God for Jerry Hollis, and I jumped out like Spider-Man in front of him and said, hey, dude, I just, I'm buying this business, and whatever you do, like, I need a broker. Can I give you 10% of it? And you join in with me. He said, I don't even know you. And I said, well, here's my name. Here's information. I'm from this town. Ask around. And I go, when I say this part of the story, I, I always go back to, it's how you treat people. It, it's going to come back to help you. And so he came back the next day and he said, uh, he said, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's the craziest thing I've ever done. But he said, I asked one person and that was my father-in-law, who was uh, an attorney in the town. And uh, when he first got out of law school, he started a private practice, and I was his first client as a 16-year-old that had a wreck that wasn't my fault, and my dad hired him. And uh, he told my, my, bro my first broker, he told him, he said, look, I don't know the young man, but I know the family. And it's a great family, and I trust him. And I don't even know him very well other than representing him when he was 16. And that's how I got started, truthfully, in real estate. And, and, and it goes back to what I always say, you know, I, I do my best to recognize the people in my life because that's why I'm here. So Sammy and I are in a uh, networking mastermind group called Apex Entourage. There are, as you flourish in the group, because that's what happens, right? If you do the work in our group, yep. you achieve new levels of success. So we're in executives together, which is one of the upper levels of the group. When you do the work, things like that happen. And, uh, you know, I've gotten to know Sammy. And the thing that I immediately clued into is I'm going to call it your God called and given but called because I think you've recognized that your ability to see uh, opportunity in people, see the best in people, recognize things, you know, and I, and I kind of focused in on the, the realtor story, the lady with the, the shoes and, and the skirt, not to pick on women at all. No, she's, she's one of my dearest friends. And I, I kind of figured as much, right? Like I, I, I focused in on that to share that part of the story because I knew you would be, uh, you would share with everybody watching and listening that you just straight up said, hey, this is not the greatest fit for you. Maybe they're, you know, I'm not sure where it all led, but you're friends now. So it obviously ended out positively and greatly, but you've got that ability uh, to see greatness in people, which is fantastic. And I think more and more of our world needs it. It's why I called this episode, Giving Happens First. Uh, when I heard a couple stories, when I was preparing for this last week, that title just like kind of shot right into my head about this is the title of the show. So we've, one of the other things you've talked about and shared is about 
living a legacy and then leaving it behind for others to pick up. Uh, you got that from your dad. You want to share share what uh, what your father instilled in you there? Yeah, I, I told you my dad was a very positive thinker. And I was probably 13 or 14 years old when this happened. And I, uh, my dad and I went to a funeral of a family member. And as we were walking out uh, of the cemetery, we went to the graveside. As we were walking out of the cemetery, there was a headstone that we walked past of someone that, that uh, was a family friend. And uh, my dad stopped me and he said, you see that? He said, says, good father, good family man, good husband, good uh, friend, enlisted all, all these things. And, um, and he said, that is what you want to make sure you do while you're here on, on earth. And I said, oh, yeah. Of course, fatherhood was not in my mind at 14 years old. Um, and I said, oh, yes, sir. Okay. That sounds good. And he said, but what's most important is when you leave this world, make sure that you left absolutely every piece of good knowledge that you picked up in your life here so the next generation can be better. And, uh, Man, that stuck with me all my life, and it, it'll stay with me till the last breath I take. But from that, I've always been um, a lot of class cut up back in my high school days and stuff, but I've always been a fan of people. You know, so many times we look at people for what they can do for us. I look at people for what they mean to me. You know, I, I try to look in someone's eyes when I speak to them, not to see their brain, but to see their heart. Because if your brain's connected to your heart, you'll make great decisions. And if I can, I, I made a post today about sponsors. If, if I can help people see that, Young folks, it doesn't matter. I am the old guy in the room, man. I'm 63 years old, and I feel like I'm 43, and I'm ready to go find more work to do because I just love it. But um, I feel like that's something that we all have to do. So, I, and I say this all the time, most three most important things in business and life is people, people, people. I went through an era where information was, data was really getting big, you know, and technology was really getting big in my business career. And as I would go, as we were going through these, you know, resourceful resources like information technology stuff, when I was younger, I would just always say, what about the person? You know, I watched Amen. Forward America yep. go to the, to the, to the number and to the business. And I always felt like, what about the person? Um, and I had an experience one time when I was in the food business. It was really when I said, I, I got to get out of this world. Um, we, we were going through data and we were talking about this number and hitting our profit for the end of the year. We were in the last 30 days. Um, we were close. And so the company made a decision to lay a bunch of people off. 
And uh, back then it was based on seniority. And so there was a lady that worked for me. And she was my youngest person that was a field manager. I had to lay one person off. And I was handling international sales and domestic sales for shelf-stable canned products. And uh, I'll never forget looking in her eyes when I had to tell her that we were letting her go. And she had had a great year. And I told my boss before I left to go let her know. I said, look, man, what do we have to do? Let's sell our way out of this. And I'm a, I'm a big proponent of selling. And when the chips are down, they ain't one way to make it work. you got to sell your way out of it. You cannot save your way to prosperity in business. It's, it, it, it's proven. It doesn't work because when you save your way to prosperity, the next thing you got to do is sell your way out of the hole. That's right. Because you got to generate the income. Yep. And I remember a commercial back when I was a kid. I'm going to date myself a little bit. But back when I was a kid, I remember watching this commercial, and it was a, um, it was either United or American Airlines, and it was a boardroom table, and it was the CEO of the company. He's walking around this table, and he's handing out plane tickets, and he was talking about a conversation that he had with a big client, their largest client, and, and why he they weren't going to do business going forward. And he was handing out plane tickets, and he was saying, "We're going to go see these." clients because they had reached a point where they're selling from the ivory tower, communicating from the ivory tower. And he was asked in the meeting, well, who's going to go see the client we just lost? And he said, I'm going to see that one. So he took the, in my, in my mind back as a kid, he took the responsibility for the failure. And I believe as people that lead, we have to do two things. We have to take the responsibility for the failures and we have to show the people that we work with that we truly care about them. Once you, once your people that you work with know you care, lead is easy, man. It's a piece of cake. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So uh, a couple things here, uh, Sammy, you might be seeing it. We've got the comments coming in. So everybody, handful of people watching, love you. Uh, so please, anybody watching live, comment, comment, comment. We can maybe get to some questions at the end. I've got some more questions for Sammy to guide our conversation. You might have noticed me, Sammy, going off here to the whiteboard. I kind of thought this would be neat because after we wrap up, I'm going to post this whiteboard back in with the title of our show. And when you're dropping these little bombs of knowledge and inspiration, I'm kind of putting the minute mark and with a little subject. This way, you know, because everybody takes in information a little differently. Maybe you can go in and you got five minutes, but you want to come back, but you want to get five great minutes. So you go maybe to minute 20 right now, where Sammy talked about how you lead and how you recognize people and what they mean to you, which was great that Sammy just shared. So that's what I've been doing with the whiteboard. We'll continue to do that throughout the the rest of our time together here. Uh, So 16 years old. Hey, I'm used to I'm used to whiteboards when I had teachers, man. They put my name on the board all Well, your name's the on the board in a good way. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you talked about 16 uh, with your dad about living a legacy, leaving an impact, and then uh, making sure you impart upon those that come up next behind you 
what have you recognized or understood or what are the ways that you look to leave your skills, your leadership, your impact on the world? How do you, how do you impart all that goodness that is you on the next person? Well, let me tell you something. I'm not all that goodness. I had a lot of mistakes and I made a lot of bad, bad decisions in my life, but you know, um, uh, the people that I've had the pleasure of being associated with in, in life, um, I've always, in business, I've always been a believer that my number one job is to work myself out of a job. That when I go into the position that I have, whatever it may be, that I either can't advance until I work myself out of a job here. And what I mean by that is is finding the right person to take my place. That's an obligation I always felt like I had to the company, whether it's company that I may own or, or when I was in the past in corporate America. And, and uh, so I go into all of my business uh, opportunities with that intent, uh, not so I can quit working, so I can step aside, let the next person grow, and then teach them and share with them things. You know, when you share things with people, they don't have to do it. But if you can just get in their head and make them see another path, if you ever get in there, then they're going to be a whole lot better than you are because they're going to use their mind and your knowledge. And, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. Two brains is like three people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the because you're... You're moving it forward. Yeah, the old adage of one plus one equals three. I mean, I loved that. That was another write down moment about 26 minutes in. Work myself out of the job. And that that transcends multiple things. The legacy you want to leave behind, the impact you want to have on people so you can share those skills uh, so they get uh, leadership quality imparted upon them. But really what we're doing there, like one of the things I talk about here about the mantra of living a big ticket life, doing life and business on your terms is you can't be that chief everything officer. It's impossible, right? At least, at least to reach a level of success where the, the, the fruits of the labor are enjoyable, right? Like if you're just on all the time, you're not there for the people who need you the most, like your family, like your team that you need to lead. You're just, letting life impact itself upon you. And that's, that's not a fun way to live. That's very, I really love that line. Seek to work myself. I'm going to give you a thought on people that I, that I've had the pleasure of working with. This is my, this is my view. And I'm kind of a analogy guy, you know, stories. I like stories, but if you've seen a, a, a street filled with leaves from the fall and, here comes a car racing through and all those leaves roll up behind it, you know, and it, it's almost like the vortex, you know, it's just sucking it in. And then you look back and those leaves have opened up and they're laying on the side. Like, so I look, I think about people like that. I, I don't want to create an environment where I look over my shoulder and I'm just, just sucking them in through the, speed that I'm running. And when I look back, I see a bunch of dead bodies laying on the side. 
that's not the uh, that's not the world that I envision. I want to be able to look over my shoulder and say, my gosh, look how green that pasture is. I want to be able to look back one day and say, holy cow, look how successful those people are. I have so much fun watching people grow. It is it is the coolest thing in business that I have had the pleasure of doing is seeing people. I mean, little things like finally being able to go buy their first car. That, and if I had the slightest bit to do with that, man, what an honor that they gave me. It's just that, and, and that just drives me. And I've always been driven that way. Yeah. Now I had my days where I wanted to really go in there and stick my thumbs in my suspenders and let them pop and go, I did that. But I never really did. I just took the chances. And all these other folks made it happen. Ain't no doubt. Well, I mean, that's that's the mark of leadership when you are truly interested in the ability to see yourself succeed, but the ability to instill success in others. You know, I actually just penned, uh, well, not penned, I typed out a letter because my penmanship is horrible. Uh <laughs> But I typed out a letter to two young ladies that really need to hear a message like that. And I said, uh, I challenged them with your question that you shared at Apex Live of what are you looking for? I mean, you you shared that on stage and that, that hit like a 10-ton hammer to me. And uh, I shared that with them and I gave you credit. And uh, I said, you know, you need to be clear on what that answer is. And it's not going to be, you know, you're young ladies. It's not going to be today. It's not going to be tomorrow. But a great question in your mind drives you to success. And you have to be interested in your success because really the cold, harsh reality of the world is, by and large, the world doesn't care, right? The, the, the world wants us to be average. Uh, the wor- that's just, that's how the world works. But if we put these great questions in our mind, like what are we truly looking for? And we constantly work to that answer, uh, it can lead to greatness. And I really, I really feel it will for these young ladies. They got a great mother leading them in life. So I, I'm I was very happy to be able to share your inspiration and pass that through to them. So that's just one very little way in which which that leadership quality works. You know. Wake up every day and run to, not from. Yep. We run from everything. Stop running from it. Stop running away. Run to the opportunities. And sometimes those opportunities you don't even know yet. But you got to burn in your gut. Look, I'm a guy that hits my knees every morning. I didn't do that all my life. I do now. And I'm proud of it. You got a burn in there. There's something on the outside that's causing that burn. And that burn's telling you to run to something better every day, not run from. Yep, absolutely. Uh, just going to make another note to put on the board there. I'll get the picture out. It's kind of like the cliff notes, right? That's what the whiteboard's going to do. <laughs> so, so you've got a number of businesses. You've got uh, you've got your real estate brokerage. You're in appliance repair. Uh, I mean, you you've got a number of things going on. 
Um, share with people watching and listening, which one uh, has you the most excited now and why? I'm sure they're all important to you, but what what what's scratching that itch for you right now? I think what's scratching the itch for me right now is growth and what's the what is that next frontier? So the businesses I have, they each have they each have a different uh, excitement for me. Uh, one's um, fairly. Uh, set, you know, processes and everything's in place and it's just tweaks from here and here to there. And that one is is helping all the people that are here grow and, you know, work me out of a business. And if they want to buy it, I'll help them buy it. I've sold one recently. The guy came to me, he said, man, I really want to buy it, but I don't have any money. I said, well, let's not worry about the money right now. Let's talk about what you're going to do with the business. And he told me, and I just loved his idea. And I, he said, now, how am I going to pay you? And I said, man, that's easy. We'll figure that out in the business. Because what you're telling me is good growth. And I said, you're going to have plenty of money in the business. So let's make this work. That's, that's, and what, that's what tremendous. And what an honor to see, you know. So I have, I have some businesses that are growing like a gangbuster, uh, like my mortgage business. And what's driving me there is purely the growth. And where do we go to the next place? because we're exploding and we've been doing that a short time. Uh, but I think, the, I think if I had to pin one thing, it would be, <laughs> and I keep going back to people, but it would be how do I set these businesses up? So the people that are leading the charge can own them. I, I don't have an intent to sell my businesses. I have an intent to buy and build. And I'm an old guy. I don't have to do it. You just have to make a living. Um, and so each one of my businesses, the leadership uh, in the companies are all in my wheel. That if I die, they get it. Wow. I have a life insurance policy, so there's never confusion on each one of them that goes to my wife. She don't need it, but it'll go to hers. All the documents are signed by the lawyer, and they own it. They don't have to worry about my wife waking up one day and I'm gone and having to sell it out from under their feet. And what happens to them? They work hard for it, man. That is and incredible. So that's the way I set them up. So that kind of stuff is really what stretches my itches yep. is how do we grow it so when they get it. Yeah, I mean, what, what you just heard right there is where where the true uh, intersection of words and actions meet people. I mean, this is, this is somebody who's talked and who will continue to speak and talk and impart on others to lean into people, give to people, believe in people, bring out the best in them so they mean the most to you all in a positive way. And right there, what you just heard about the structure of leadership in his business and the secession plans is really just incredible. I mean, it really is. And, and we don't need to spend a lot of time on it because I don't, I don't think it's an active part of your uh, day right now. But the vest you got on, for those that don't know, 
so Sammy was an equity partner, um, a minority, had minority equity, minority ownership in the Mossy Oak outdoor uh, sportsman uh, clothing brand. We actually were camo designers. Now, this is not a Mossy Oak. And trust okay. me, the only reason I'm wearing this non-Mossy Oak camo is because I like the garment. That's the only reason. <laughs> Uh, but I am a huge Mossy Oak fan still to this day. Um, well, that was such a great opportunity and to, to be a part of a company that grew the way we did and, and it continues to grow. And, um, it's just phenomenal. And, and I have a huge passion for the outdoors. My dad did. My dad liked to fish. He didn't like to hunt. And he took me hunting one time just to introduce me not to the activity of hunting. There's no doubt in my mind, and I never asked my dad this, but he introduced me to the kind of people you need to hang with um, in life. And so he took me hunting with a bunch of men that he worked with. And my dad didn't even like to get cold, man. He was a fair weather fisherman, believe me. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't about what we were harvesting. It, or did, did or didn't harvest, it was about these are the kind, of, and I, I know this for a fact, these are the kind of men that you want to surround yourself with. And they existed in that hunting camp. And he wanted to make sure that I got there and I got to hear stories and we got to, you know, yuck, yuck and, and talk about the animals and so on and so forth. And, and Mossy Oak brought that to an incredible life for me, you know, to not only were we very successful and they rewarded me quite well and just a phenomenal business that continues to shine, but the passion for the outdoors, whether you wear camo or whether you don't, the passion for the outdoors is real. And you don't have to shoot an animal. Right. You don't have to eat the fish, but boy, what asset we have and a resource we have to just go outside and enjoy it. And you talk about a mindset adjustment, go sit outside for an hour. So, so you might've seen, uh, so I used to hunt. I got, I'll share a little hunting story. So I, I saw your post. Mr. Yeah, Moore, yeah, yeah. So back in the day as a single guy, young man, I went with all my, when I had a brief stint in construction, we'd go duck and geese hunting. And I love duck and geese hunting here in PA. It's in the fall. It's you talk about fair weather. The weather's nice, you know, and, uh, yeah, we were some rough and tumble boys. So it was a whole day of fun. I'll just leave it at that. And I really enjoyed it. Then they take me deer hunting in Pennsylvania (laughs) and tell me I got to get up the night before at like 4am to get out in the woods. We froze. I, I, you know, I probably bought all the mossy oak stuff to go deer hunting and I sold it that (laughs) afternoon back to them all. (laughs) <laughs> and I haven't hunted since, but then I got, then I got my boys out. And when you talk about connecting back, getting with nature, enjoying what's around you, no, you don't have to, sh- I mean, you don't have to shoot anything. We didn't see anything. We, we didn't see a squirrel that morning, but I will tell you both boys, their, their mood, their connection with dad, my connection with my boys was incredible. And what your father touched on, making sure you get around the right people to bring this all home is so, so important. Uh, 
I think I think our listeners have learned network's important. Who you hang around with is important. I call it behind the gate. Yep. So my successes, a lot of times too, have been driven by me being able to get behind your gate. Everybody has a wall. Okay. Yep. All right. And in order to make some sales happen, you got to get to know them a little better. And if you could ever get behind that gate, you know, and it's teaching your kids, you know, this is something that you protect behind your gate. But when you let somebody in there, make sure you get in behind their gate and y'all communicate. And the outdoors affords people that opportunity to get behind it. Really, gate. really does. Yeah. Oh, there, there it is. is. I love that. Yep. Here, here. That's beautiful. <laughs> there it is. Um, as we wrap up, you know, one of the, th- we didn't get to talk a lot about uh, big ticket life principles, and that's all right because I could, brother, I could listen to you talk all day, and I hope everybody listening could do the same. And if they can't, they should. Thank and you. I mean that. I mean, I really mean that. Thank you. Um, but you shared with me a handful of charities that you're passionate about. Um, why don't you share with our listeners, you, know, you, you share with me, you're passionate about Down Syndrome Charities, a champion shoes yeah. who is uh, led by, um, yeah. uh, by Mike Claudio, uh, and then your church. So share with everybody a little bit yeah. about that and why, why you're passionate about those. So when I saw Mike, I'll start with Mike Claudio's. When I saw Mike Claudio's, uh, a champion shoes, he made a comment that, instantly took my mind back to when I was about seven and uh, I got a new pair of shoes I'll never forget it my parents didn't have a lot you know we didn't know we didn't have a lot but I'll never forget that first pair of shoes I remember getting that weren't hand-me-downs the reason I stopped getting hand-me-downs I grew my whole family (laughs) you know I was four inches taller than the tallest person in my family definitely outweighed uh but I, I, I'll never forget that pair of shoes. And my dad handed me those shoes and he said, son, you're going to be able to run faster. I'll never forget it. And I put those shoes on and wheeled outside in the front yard. And I ran as fast as you could imagine. I was a world-class sprinter. Even though I'm so slow, they timed me with a sundial. But uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that. <laughs> and... And Mike Claudio said that, and I said, I'm in. I'm going to help, and I'm still helping him, but I'm trying to introduce him to some folks. Just an incredible charity. Uh, I love what they're doing. They're trying to help kids have a new pair of shoes. And My gosh, I'll never forget that. I just never will. So great, great organization. Then uh, Down Syndrome, uh, I've always been a – Supporter, I have a friend here in town that has a Down syndrome child, and and this guy is kind of a hard ass, and he had his Down syndrome child when they had their Down syndrome child. I watched that guy change into just somebody I didn't know. He was his heart went from being like the Grinch, you know, this little thing, to being on the outside of his body. It got so big. And I thought, man, that's that is so cool. And that young man uh has such a dad now. And they've got they're so connected. Then I met Dan Constantino and his daughter, Stephanie, has Down syndrome. And I fell in love with Stephanie 
he talked, he had Stephanie send me a video one time that said, hey, Sammy, I love you. Man, my heart just, it just fell out of my chest. And I, I put her on my dream 25 list. I want to get to know her better. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, children, children, and, and as they grow into adults with Down syndrome, but children especially, you know, their their language of communication is love. I've got a, a business friend, Ari Galper. He's actually based in Australia. His son, Toby, that's where I learned that from. You know, your, your, your children with Down syndrome, that's how they communicate is with love. And at times, it, could, it, it might feel like or be a little much. But to your friend who who you know, who kind of had the heart of the Grinch and then grew ten times big and on his chest, I mean, when you said that, I mean, I, that I that's a no brainer to me why that transformation happened because children with Down syndrome they just have this innate ability. It almost goes with that extra chromosome. I think that extra chromosome is is love and expression and happiness and joy, and it just takes a little bit of patience to to see it. And it's no surprise that you, with your ability to see uh, greatness in people, see that as something to support. That's awesome. Well, I fell in love with Dan and his wife, too, and and, uh, pushed to help them achieve some goals. And then my church, um, like I say, I wasn't, uh, I was always a Christian man, but I wasn't a church-going type person. I'm not a Bible thumper, but I do hit my knees every day, and that church gives me incredible value and rewards every day and uh i'll always continue but when charities roll along it's got kids tied to them i'm yep. sap. yep i think uh, i think most of us are uh for that kind of stuff for sure um as we wrap up so we're at the end of 2021 we're rolling into 22 i i, I personally love a big question asked of myself I uh, challenge others to do the same. Uh, what do you feel is the big question people should be asking themselves right now? I think the best, the big question you have to ask is, what do I see me in my business and my personal life looking like this same time of year? And if you can make yourself see that, then what's wrong with saying, how do I see myself? this same time in two years. Uh, We oftentimes say we plan a year, but really a lot of times we're planning a target of three numbers out there and we fight each month. Um, I've already put my information to bed for 2023. I'm not saying everybody can do that, but I am saying that you definitely can say in 2023, if you look at me then, this is who I'm going to be. And then you have to look at it every day, you know. But I set out a goal not to not to lose 80 pounds and then turn around and gain 100 back because I'm famous for having done that in my life. I set a goal to control my intake this year. That was my goal. And I did. And the foods I ate are, def- are different. I've lost some weight. Next year, my goal is to do something a little different than just my intake because I got a pretty good handle on that right now. And uh, so 
to me, I think you got to look in the mirror. The question I would ask is, what do I look like a year from now? Well, that's a fantastic question for everybody watching, everybody listening to put in their brain, write it down at your desk, write it down in your car. What do I look like one year from now, two years from now? Set that vision and set that course. Sammy, we, we uh, very much appreciate you joining for the first episode. I know we put you out of your comfort zone with the technology a little bit, but- uh, Hey, but I did pretty good. You gotta give me You did fantastic. Right? You did fantastic. And for, for, for somebody that recognizes greatness in people, I felt I had to get you on the screen to share share all that is Sammy Knight with everybody here. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of The Big Ticket Life. Bye.